All God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Such a powerful uh, song. And as uh, they were singing that song, I was just praying that prayer uh, right there. How I need, I need God in such a huge way. We all need God in such a huge way in days uh, like we're going through uh, right now. So as Matt uh, just said, um, we are kind of pivoting out of uh, the series of the book of Psalms that we just started last week. And if you've been coming to Blackhawk uh, very long, you know we don't, <laughs> we don't pivot that often in terms of a series. And, uh, but 2020 has been like, you know, it's been a completely different kind of year. I mean, uh, we, we had one series planned for uh, April and May, and then COVID-19 happens, and so then we pivot out of that, and uh, we do this series called Take Heart, uh, because COVID-19 is such a huge thing, and everybody's thinking about it, we've got we to gotta speak to it. Well, something has come along that has pushed COVID-19 to the back of the news hour. So if, if something's that powerful, uh, we probably should speak to that too. So this last week, really on uh, Tuesday, the teaching team decided that we would just take uh, two weeks out of the Psalm series and we would actually kind of do uh, really one message, but it's a super long message, so we're dividing it into uh, two parts. And so this Sunday and next Sunday, we are going to speak to this subject and we're simply calling uh, this talk or this series uh, Race and of Faith. And that whole subject of race and faith, um, it carries its own energy, carries its own energy with it. So let me just talk for a second about, just generally speaking, how we at Blackhawk Church uh, approach subjects that have their own energy to them. Race and faith is one of those, but there are other subjects like that too. So just before we get to the actual subject, this is kind of our philosophy of how we tackle those kind of things. Number one, we don't believe that there are simple answers to complex problems. So if you're looking for simple answers to a complex problem like race and faith, yeah, you're gonna be disappointed with this talk actually because we're not gonna provide that because we don't think that there are simple answers to complex problems. And this is a complex issue. Everybody has an experience with race and faith. Everybody has their own story. And the history of racial injustice in the United States goes back like over 400 years, you guys. And um, the conversations about the solutions to racial injustice are so huge and people don't agree on those solutions. So we're not gonna like solve a problem like this in one or two talks. So we believe it's a complex issue and we're not gonna offer simple answers for that. Second, we want to engage the difficult and complex issues that we face biblically and theologically. So at Blackhawk, we're like a Bible first organization. So like we're a church. So we approach things through the Bible. We at Blackhawk Church believe that we should elevate Christ above those things which tend to divide us. And we believe that those issues which would divide the church will not divide the church if we pay attention to the king who's more powerful than those issues. 
So the issues that tend to divide are not as powerful as the king who wants to unite all of us. But in order for him to unite us, we have to pay attention to what he has to say in his word. This is not just true for race and faith. It's true for any kind of issue that's charged. And third, we don't believe the ultimate answer for our world is in politics. So this is a, this is a contrary view, you guys. So this is, and, and let me just apologize right now to those people at Blackhawk Church who are elected politicians. So, so sorry, uh, those of you who are, are like that. Uh, and uh, there you go. So there you go. Um, but we, and politicians, that's great. It's a good profession. We're not dissing that, okay? That's, so there you go. I'm just trying to cover my tracks here. I'm just thinking I'm going to get in trouble already before I even say much about this. Politics is a, is a dominant cultural narrative, everybody. In our world, in our world, it's probably the most powerful dominant cultural narrative. People listen to the news feeds a lot more than they read the Bible. Christians. So uh, most of our information comes from news feeds and social media, and it's politically uh, driven. So it's very powerful. We believe at Blackhawk that politics actually divides, but our dream is that the gospel would actually unite people. So it's a contrarian position that we hold. The world is so politically charged. Phrases, words, take on political meanings. Here's what, black lives matter. Now let me just ask you, biblically speaking, do black lives matter to God? That's a no-brainer. Absolutely they do. I mean, black lives matter because all lives matter. All people are created in the image of God. They bear his image. And God loves all people. But because the political narrative is so powerful, there is actually an organization called Black Lives Matter. They have their own website, and they have a political agenda. So uh, if you go to their website and you see things, you, you'll see things that should disturb uh, Christ followers. But so when you just say the word Black Lives Matter in our culture, everybody goes, oh my gosh, he has a political... <laughs> so, see, what, see what I'm telling it's just, I'm just saying, it's difficult to even speak in the world today. Here's another word. Evangelical. <laughs> well, what does evangelical mean? Well, it's euangelion. It's the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Does God believe in the gospel? It's like a no-brainer. It's no-brainer. But in our world today, that word evangelical has been associated with the Republican Party. So like... Oh, wow. So there you go. Is God in favor of all things in the Republican Party? I'm going to get emails for this probably for sure. So you see what I'm trying to say here? So words become politicized. They, they almost weaponized that way. So trust me, you should read my emails. So anything that we say can be interpreted in a political way. But a Blackhawk, we're trying to be beyond that. At Blackhawk Church, we actually want people from different political perspectives to actually come here. We, we want people who are Democrats, Republicans, progressives, conservatives, Greens, and I don't know, whatever, the, the, the whole thing. We want everyone because we believe that the gospel 
actually is more powerful than politics. And it's, it's beautiful when you see people who disagree politically, and yet they can come under the lordship of Christ and work together for common good in our community. It's very powerful. I don't, where do we see that? So that's Blackhawk Church. And that would be true for all issues. So we do speak to issues that obviously are uh, rife with political tension. We speak uh, to issues like race, we speak to issues like abortion, issues of sexuality, we speak to issues of environment. We usually speak to those issues because the particular text that we're dealing with uh, can be applied in a certain way. So you'll hear us talk about that. We're not partisan though, we don't tell you how to vote and who to vote for. We teach the Bible and then we want you to make your decisions as you go to vote. So I don't know how many minutes I've just spoken now, but this is all just a kind of a preamble uh, to what I want to talk about in terms of race and faith. So how are you doing with everything I said? Okay, so what's happened? Well, we all know that on May 25th, some police officers in Minneapolis arrested George Floyd. And then one of those police officers put him on the ground and then put his knee on George's neck. Videos capture the whole thing. About nine minutes of video. We could hear this man cry out for his mama. We could hear this man cry out that he couldn't breathe. And because of that action, George died. And this is a generalization, but just about the whole world has seen that video. And every day since that video, there have been protests in every, not every city, but many cities, including our city. And those protests, many of them, have turned violent, People who are in favor of anarchy have their way, usually at the end of the protests. Most of the protests are great, but they end in a violent way. So there's looting and destruction of property. As of yesterday, I'm not sure as of today, but as of yesterday, 12 people have died as a result of these protests across the country. Two of those people are police officers David Dorn in St. Louis and Patrick Underwood in Oakland. Career police officers who've died as a result of this. Now, most white people, when they, let me stop, just, let me stop for a second. Uh, for the purposes of this message, I am going to reduce a very complex conversation just down to black and white. And that is a that is a huge generalization, and all generalizations are usually wrong, and this is wrong also. I know that. But in our focus in this time, it's really when we talk about race and faith, this is the focus, black and white. We could talk about Asians. We could uh, talk about people that are Native Americans. Uh, we, we could talk about Hispanic people. But for the purposes of this talk, and the next talk. We're just gonna talk about black and white because that's really what the country's focused on right now. 
So let me get back to that sentence. So most people who are white look at that video of George Floyd's death and say, That's off- that is awful. When I saw it, as I said uh, last Sunday night, when I was with Matt and Charles and uh, Coley, I said, when I saw it for the first time, I, I turned to my wife and I said, that's just evil. And I would think most white people that I know that have seen that is to go, that's just evil, that's awful. Something should happen. Well, those police officers, well, they're arrested. That's good, they, they lost their job and they're arrested. And they should should pay for that crime that they have just committed. And most white people, I would say, totally said, yeah, absolutely. And then some white people say, so let's move on now. Let's move on. Enough protests. Most black people that I know, as they watch that video, are like saying to themselves, this is so, it's so horrible, it's so sad. And because we have cell phones now, finally, finally, people are starting to see this. Maybe someone would believe us. Will will people actually believe that something is wrong in this country and and it's desperately wrong, and it's more than just a, ba- a few bad cops. It's, it's more than just prejudice. There's something systemic, something deep wrong in our country. Would anybody listen? And then on top of that, you throw in the, the utter chaos of the fact that uh, most of the protests are peaceful, but then all of a sudden there are some people who decide to loot and vandalize and just give that whole protest a bad name. And then on top of that, most police officers, most people who are in charge of police districts all over the country are saying, what happened is wrong, that's wrong, it should never have happened. Most police are fantastic people. But then there are a few police who take matters into their own hands. And so you throw in the, the looters and then the bad police and that just gets, and then people generalize and all people are, and then. But in the background, there's this groaning from our black brothers and sisters in Christ and they're saying, do our lives matter? All lives don't matter if black lives don't matter. We feel like our lives don't matter. Is anybody listening? And whites, some are saying, we hear, we get it, but let's just move on. Reminds me of a story. Years ago, long time ago, when uh, our daughter uh, was in fourth grade, we were living in Shreveport, Louisiana, and uh, pastoring a little church there. And uh, our daughter uh, came to us, 
And uh, she said, you know, I've been ha I'm, I'm having stomach problems. I'm having stomach problems. And she had been complaining about her stomach. And so um, Sunshine, my wife's name is Becky, but I call her Sunshine. Sunshine took her into the doctor. And the doctor said, you know, there's a virus going around. It's a bad virus. And one of the symptoms of this virus is that people get stomach aches. And uh, so it's probably virus. So that happened like on a Friday, we went to the doctor. And then on Saturday, Saturday Missy continued to complain. And then on Sunday morning, well, you know, I had to go to church and, you know, preach the Bible. And uh, my uh, daughter came in right before I had to go to church. And she saw Sunshine and I, uh, you know, having breakfast. And she just took her hands like this. And she just l laid down on the floor and doubled up on the floor. And she said, I can't stand the pain anymore. And I just looked at Sunshine. And she, Sunshine and I looked at each other. And Sunshine was like, you know what? Honey, it's a virus. We just went to the doctor. I'm, I'm just sorry. And so I just looked at Sunshine and said, you know, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go, you know, preach. So I went and uh, preached. And my wife was dealing with Missy at home. And finally, Sunshine said, and I have Sunshine's permission to tell this story, just so, you're, just so you know. And Sunshine looked at her and she said to Missy, Missy, you're overreacting. It's just a stomach ache. Go to bed. Well, when I finished preaching uh, the message, and then after the preaching of the message, there's this time when people come up and they shake your hand. It's called the glorification of the worm. You're fantastic, Pastor Chris. Thank you so much and all that kind of stuff. And so this guy who's an usher named Scott, he comes up to me, and he goes, uh, Pastor Chris, you're wife and daughter have had to go to the hospital. And then suddenly I remembered, because I had completely forgotten, that Missy was sick earlier. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, it's Missy and she's sick. And the second thing I thought to myself was, that, oh my gosh, I might miss the Super Bowl today because it was Super Bowl Sunday and I didn't want to miss the Super Bowl. <laughs> so we go to the hospital. Sunshine's already there. Well, Missy had an inflamed appendix and they had to do an emergency surgery and they took it out and the surgeon said, if we hadn't done that surgery, we'd had real trouble. Sunshine and I had misdiagnosed the problem. We thought Missy was overreacting. Now I'm gonna be as gentle as I possibly can with my white brothers and sisters in Christ. Is there a possibility that we have misdiagnosed the problem? And we say, well, it's just prejudice. It's just a few bad cops. Or could it be something deeper? Could it be something that we don't actually, we can't see? But it's the way in which our laws are written and it has baked itself into the cake. And to many of us in the white majority culture, we don't even see it. While our brothers and sisters in Christ who are black are crying out, do our lives really matter? So what do we do? What do we do in this moment? Well, at Black Hawk Church, uh, we pick up the Bible. And when we pick up the Bible, we see that all lives matter uh, to God. And that when people place their faith in Jesus Christ, 
we all become a part of the same uh, body. Look at this uh, passage from the book of Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That passage is saying, when we place our faith in Christ and him alone for our salvation, it, it doesn't matter uh, what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what language we speak. It doesn't matter occupation. It doesn't matter anything. We all are children of God. We're all the same. We're all the same by the power of the gospel. The king wants to unite people. So we see at the very end of the uh, Bible in the book of Revelation, this fantastic passage about what it's going to actually look like in the kingdom. And we read this in Revelation 7 verse 9. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they're worshiping the Lamb. Why? Because the King of Kings has united all kinds of different people by the power of his love and by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, until then, what do we do now? Well, we depend upon the work of God in Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Only God can unite the differences that exist in our world. And it's what Christ wants to do. You know, you know, there's this benediction that we use uh, all, a, lot of, a lot of time. It's one of my favorite benedictions from Ephesians chapter 3. It, it, it goes like this. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that works within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, yeah, but what comes, what comes after that? Man, I'm jumping up and down right here right now. What comes after that? It's in the middle of the book. What's, he, what's the context of that? The context of that is a division between people and that Jesus Christ is the one who's, who's brought Jew and Gentile people, to, people who don't like each other. He's brought them together. And how does he unite them? By the power of his love. That's how he does it. Right after that benediction, this is what we read in Ephesians uh, chapter four. Let me get my Bible going here. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you, Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all. Oh, whoa. Did you see all the unity in that passage? Look at, the, look at all this unity. Here we go. There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one, 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 one. So 
What's this about? Well, at at Blackhawk Church, we say the Bible's not written to us. This is not written to people in Madison. It is written to people who lived in Ephesus. It is written to people who knew all about the great struggle between Jews and Gentiles. And he had just said in chapter 3 that by the power of the gospel, Jesus has become Uh, The wall separating the two has been broken down. Jesus is like the bridge. And God's dream for the kingdom of God. I'm getting too excited here, aren't I? God's dream for the kingdom of God 2.0 is that he would create a brand new humanity with different kinds of people coming together. How does it happen? By the power of God through the work of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, I could talk about this passage all day long. I want to focus on just verse 2. Let's look at verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So how can we apply this passage, which was written a long, long time ago, to people in Ephesus? How do we apply that to our world today? in this division that we see between black and white. Let's go word by word. First word, be completely humble. Now some of you that come to Blackhawk Church from time to time, you look at me and you go, Pastor Chris, you're always talking about humility. Why are you always talking about humility? Because I read the Bible, that's why I talk about humility. Because I'm a follower of Christ. You guys think about who Jesus is. He's the creator of all things. He's the creator of all things. And then he becomes an embryo and is placed in the womb of a Hebrew teenage girl. That's humility, you guys. And then in his humanity, he grew and he learned. He learned. So if we're followers of Christ, we should be the people who are known to be humble. We, we are the people who should be known to, how do you see that? What? We should be asking questions. We should be wanting to learn. So how can we learn here? What can we learn about race and faith? What can we learn about systemic race? Can we learn? So I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, as of Wednesday, I think 15 out of the out of the top uh, 20 uh, books on Amazon.com for bestsellers are now about race. Because all kinds of people are interested in learning about it. Are you interested in learning about it? We've provided uh, a list of resources on our uh, website. You can go to our website and uh, we just have all kinds of different levels. And if it's an entry level, you just grab one of those books or listen to one of those podcasts or something like that. We have different talks on it. so. Humble people are interested in learning. Next week in the second part of this uh, message, uh, I'm going to interview some people who have been studying a race uh, like most of their lives. And they're pretty smart people. So let's ask some questions and see if we can actually learn. What's the next word? Be gentle. What does gentle look like in this situation? Well, gentle doesn't look like uh, Sunshine saying to Missy, 
You're overreacting now. You're just overreacting. It doesn't look like a father saying, I'm going to miss the Super Bowl now. That's not, this is not gentle. It's just not gentle. What does gentle look like? Well, it probably doesn't look like looking at our television screen and looking at people and go, what's their problem? I'm just saying. It's probably not gentle. What's the next word? Be patient. Wow. I'm thinking my black brothers and sisters in Christ who see that word and they just go, oh my gosh. Tired. I'm tired, Pastor Chris, of being patient. I'm angry. These things happen over and over and over again. It's a big problem here. It seems like white majority people just don't understand that. I'm tired of being patient. I think about my brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the police force. It's hard to be patient. When people are throwing rocks at you, spitting at you, working 18 hour days, Just tired of being patient. You know, I'll just go a little aside here. Uh, I kind of, th- I mean, this is my view. I, it's, it's not Bible, it's my view. I, I think being a police officer is like being in ministry. It's like a, it's like a personal calling. Nobody gets into ministry because they're figuring out they're going to try to make a lot of money. And nobody gets into a police office. They're not, you, don't, you don't become a law enforcement official officer because you want to make a lot of money. It's like a calling. You feel like this is what I want to do with my life. I want to serve my community in this way. Are there bad police officers? Are there bad pastors? <laughs> yeah. Are there bad doctors? Yeah. Are there bad, yeah, there are bad police officers. But we should be big enough to not let those few bad police officers color our view of all police officers. Being patient is so hard. It's a It's a value that's not taught in our social media world. It's hard to be patient and be great at social media. And with this issue, race and faith in our country, over 400 years now, it really doesn't matter who wins the next election in November. That's not going to solve this. This is going to be solved not at the voting booth, but in homes, in hearts, as we teach our children how not to be prejudiced. And it's take a long time for that. So it's something we need God's spirit to help us with, to be patient. What's the last one? Bearing with one another in love Bearing with one another in love um, doesn't look like saying to Missy, oh, you drive yourself to the hospital. (laughs) No, no. Bearing with one another in love means I think you're wrong, but I'm going to take you to the hospital. I'm going to be with, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you through this. I tell you what, 
Sunshine and I felt so guilty <laughs> about what happened when the surgeon said yes, an inflamed appendix, and it's just about ready to rupture. We were, the, we were like the world's worst parents. And our daughter, after she came out of surgery, she could have anything she wanted. I'm telling you right now, anything she wanted. Can you imagine being Missy in the back of our car, writhing in pain as Sunshine's driving to the hospital? And she's probably thinking in her mind, finally, finally. I'm going to talk to people in Blackhawk African American ministry in BAM. You guys, being a part of our church, this is one of the best things that's ever happened in Blackhawk Church. It's one of the best things. And I tell you, as your pastor, I want to bear with you in love. I want to be with you. I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn. I just love you guys. Would you stay? Would you stay at Blackhawk? Would you, would, be, would you help us understand? Would you help us understand? Well, um, Tuesday, the teaching team made a decision to make this shift, to do this talk, and Thursday morning, I got a text from my friend Marcus Allen, who's the pastor of Mount Zion Church. Marcus is a great man, you guys. He's a straight arrow, uh, military veteran, two tours in Afghanistan. I mean, this guy is like, like a war hero. He's a great guy, great guy. And I have tons of, I could just talk about Marcus all the time. So Marcus texted me and said, would you, as a pastor, and would you tell your church about what we are doing as churches in Madison, the African-American Council of Churches. He's the leader of that. Our own pastor, Collier McNair, used to lead that. He said, we're going to have a march on Sunday, 5.30, going to gather at Park and University. Would you, would you ask your church to join us, brothers and sisters in Christ? I said, yes, Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Are there going to be people there who don't give a rip about Ephesians 4.2? The answer is yes, absolutely. Are there going to be people there who have their own agendas? Absolutely. absolutely. But um, brother to brother, sister to sister, we're going to, I'm just recommending that it's a good thing for us to do. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll practice, take, bring your mask, practice social distancing, and do our best uh, that way. So there you go. That's one way to bear with one another in love. Another way to bear with one another in love is, do you know someone who is a law enforcement officer and sheriff's department, police department? Why don't you write them a card? Why don't you tell them that you're praying for them by name every day? Why don't you do that? Because they also need someone who knows that I'm with you. I'm with you here. You see, at Blackhawk, we think that you can be for both racial justice and support police officers who love and want to serve our community. We don't think those things are diametrically opposed. Well, I'm going to come to the close of uh, this 
portion of the message, the next portion of the message is next week when we're going to try to be humble and learn more about this thing called systemic racism. Can we learn more? But I want us to pray now. I want us to pray. And sometimes when I'm at a loss of what to pray for, I, I think, well, you know, it's the old phrase, what would Jesus do right now? So I know it's, it's never a bad idea to kind of punt to Jesus. Like, what would, so Jesus actually taught us a prayer. He wants his disciples to pray. And why don't you pray it with me? You can just read it off the screens. This is the prayer. And say this with me, in your, wherever you are right now, just say this with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What I want to do right now is um, to pray that kind of first phrase uh, and to just stop and apply that to three different groups of people. And just at home, what I want you to do is just pray as you feel led by the Spirit of God, wherever you are, just on this thought. So here's the first one. Pray for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done in our own lives. Let's pray for that right now. Father, we pray that you would establish your kingdom in our own individual lives, that our own lives, we would, in our own lives, we would be little outposts of salt and light in the world. That might mean that we might need to confess sin to you or we, we might need to have a conversation with someone. We might need to seek out personal reconciliation with a, another person and reconciliation with you. We pray, Father, that we would be driven by your word for the glory of Christ and his gospel by the power of the Spirit. Establish your kingdom in our own lives, we pray. Now the second one goes like this. Pray for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done in the lives of others. Let's pray that prayer. Father, we pray that you might use us as your uh, active uh, ambassadors, missionary agents to help your kingdom become established in the lives of other people. 
that as we engage in conversations, especially about this topic, that we would be humble, we would be listeners, we'd be loving people, and that something would happen, something would happen in our city as, as our city sees brothers and sisters who are black and white come together by the power of your spirit and, and stand in solidarity, united together as a church, that that would have an evangelistic effect on others in this city. We, we pray that. And the third one goes like this. Pray for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done in our city and our nation. Let's pray that way. Father, we pray for our political leaders, our president, our governor, our senators, House of Representatives. We pray, Father, for our local leaders, for our mayor, for the council. We, we pray, Father, and we thank you for this country and for this city, for this state. We love Madison. We love this city. We pray, Father, that you would, you would restore peace here. Perhaps use us, if it be your will, as peacemakers. That you would use us to be a light for your truth and for your kingdom in this place, in this city, at this time. We pray this in Christ's name. And for the sake of his reputation, all God's people said, amen.